Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Orchard Podcast, where we help you make a positive and sustainable impact for Christ in the places of greatest need in our world. My name is Brian. I'm the executive pastor of Orchard Africa, and I am here with our co-founders, Mike and Michelle Tessendorf. Hi, everyone. Hi, Brian. Thanks for joining us today, everybody. Well, this is episode number 26 for the month of March. We're really glad that you're listening in with us today. So to kick off today, I'd like to share a story, which is a very meaningful experience that I had in my younger years as uh, somebody in ministry. Uh, This goes back to probably the early 90s in South Africa. doing our utmost to lead and pastor a church and uh, have a ministry which we believed was in line with what God has called us to do and being effective. And I was invited to a leadership conference at one of the largest churches in the country at that time. Um, I think back then, a church of ten and 15,000 people was considered enormous. And the lead pastor of the church was uh, regarded as uh, one of the foremost Christian leaders in the country at the time. He was esteemed uh, from all quarters. And there was no doubt that he was on the forefront of pioneering and leading something significant in in the kingdom in South Africa at the time. And uh, this conference was all about uh, just just, uh, drawing closer to God, uh, finding uh, refreshment and refreshing in him. And um, just renewing passion and and energy for ministry. And uh, at one of the sessions, there was like a, it was almost like a breakout time. The pastor, who was this pastor leading the conference, said, "So, I want you all to go and find a place where you can be alone and just sit and just sit with God and just listen and just allow God to speak to your heart and just hear what He has to say and be contemplative and uh, just do that." And so I found a place over on the side of this huge auditorium with my back to the wall on the floor. And I'm sitting there doing what I was supposed to do, trying to hear from God <laughs> and trying to sense, well, God, what are you saying? What, do you, what, what, what is it you have for me? And I looked up and here was this pastor walking in my direction. Um, and turned out he was actually coming directly to me. And I thought, oh, so he's come, God has given him some prophetic message for me, or he's going to come and pray for me, or, you know, just do something because he has this great man of God. And he sat down on the floor, put his back to the wall next to me, and he looked over at me and he said, Mike, how are you? Tell me about your family. Tell me about your kids. Tell me about where you live. Tell me about what's going on in your life. And I'm thinking, you're supposed to be giving me some prophetic word, and here you are asking me all these questions about my family. But I came away from that experience deeply, deeply, deeply moved. Because in this sense of trembling of here comes this this great leader, and he sat down on the floor Mm. and spoke to me about my life and my family and my kids. And I took away from that experience this, this balance between leading but serving. Being a pioneer but also being humble. 
And that humility, that active humility of sitting on the floor next to me and just talking formed me for what was to come in years down the road where we began to have ministry encounters with with pastors in villages that were forsaken and forgotten and desperate and broken. Mm. And that example led me to become that person to those pastors. Do not go there and see how can we fix your church and fix your village and fix your problems, but to sit down and talk to you and walk with you. And again, it, 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 I, I believe the, the model of ministry is not how can we lead you, but how can we serve you? Not mm. what, we can, what can we accomplish, but how can we serve? Yeah. And um, Pastor Ed, the pastor you're referring to, uh, he definitely had a reputation of humility even though he led one of the largest churches, he was a man of humility. So this year through our podcasts, we're working our way through Ephesians 3. If you haven't noticed or don't know about it yet, Ephesians 3 is what we're working our way through. And today we're looking at uh, verse 8, and your story ties in so well with this, and I'm going to read it. Um, Paul says, although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. So here we have Paul saying, I'm the least Mm. of the Lord's people, but I was graced to be given this ministry to preach to the Gentiles this boundless riches Mm. of Christ, Mm. Um, this huge, huge Mm. ministry that was given to him. And yet he, and when we study uh, the scripture, he does it with such humility. Mm. Um, What a a great example of, as you said, Mike, uh, leadership to, to be in ministry means to minister. Which is to serve. To serve, right. Right. That phrase, it's a really interesting contrast. So you have Paul, and he wrote half of the New Testament or more, and he's calling himself the less of the least. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't get lower than that. (laughs) It's an interesting phrase that he uses here, and it's actually one word, a kind of little word nerdery here. Uh, It's it's just one word, and it's a superlative, easy for me to say, and uh, which is... A word like greatest, it's the most, it's here in the negative, the least. Mm. But then he also makes it a comparative, which means essentially he's saying, I'm the leaster. <laughs> mm. I'm the leaster. I am the less of the less. Uh, and I, I think that Paul here is helping us to see how he viewed himself and I think it's confusing sometimes when you think about humility Mm. and what does it mean to consider yourself lesser or the least or um, lesser than those that we serve or, but there's a nugget of truth and wisdom and there's a jewel in that as we, as we lead Mm. getting to the point of understanding what does it mean to be the less of the least 
Yeah, that's just an interesting yeah. phrase to me. I, I love that. And I think uh, when I read that, how, how do we apply that into our own lives and in our own ministry, in our day-to-day walk? Um, you know, do we go around telling people, I'm the less, uh, the least, the you mm. know, and uh, humbly badmouth ourselves? Yeah. I don't think it feels that like the, false humility. Yes. Yeah. That's not the point here. I think the point is to have a clear understanding <clears throat> of what God has graced us to do. Mm. Paul understood what God had graced him to do, mm-hmm. to preach this amazing gospel to mm. the Gentiles. And I think when we have a clear understanding of what God has graced us to do, what he's gifted us to do, it helps us to be humble because it focuses us on the task given to us. And when we focus on that task, it's uh, an experience in humility because generally when God gives us a task, it's bigger than ourselves. It's yeah. bigger than what we could accomplish on our own. We have to have him with us to do it. It's through him that we accomplish it. And so when we focus um, away from ourselves and we, we focus on the gift, the grace given to us by God, there's a certain amount of humility that comes in where you go, I'm not big enough for this mm. on my own, which I believe is what I see Paul saying. By myself, nah, mm. not going to happen. Just me. Mm-hmm. But um, and as, I th- go ahead. As you look at his life too, you see that uh, as he progresses through his ministry, you would think he'd become more and more confident, um, mm. more established. He's started many churches. He's written many incredible letters. He's led so many people to Christ. Um, but he, uh, if you look through his life and the progression of his letters, you see that kind of every five years, he, he's even less than the least <laughs> than he <laughs> described himself. For instance, um, in First Corinthians, he calls himself the least of all the apostles. And then we have Ephesians uh, uh, 3 here, where he says, I'm the less of the least. And then kind of five years later after that, in First Timothy, he calls himself the, the worst of the sinners. And as we think about maturity and growth and wisdom, the more we get closer to Christ, the more we understand his kingdom and his work in our life, the more we see ourselves in need, the more weak we realize we are and the more mm-hmm. dependent we are on, on God. And, and sometimes it's in our minds backwards that the, the more experience we have, the more successful we are, the more powerful we are, the stronger we are. Uh, I think the more confused we are because we think it's all about us. And, mm-hmm. and God's journey is a journey on that same course that Christ was on where he was making himself less, making himself less to fulfill right. the kingdom's purpose and God's plan. And, but it's counterintuitive. Paul's writings, I mean, as, as you progress, as you said, Brian, from his early years through to as he got older, it's a, it's a great example to me of this balance. It's almost like there's this dance between humility and dependence on God and then being confident in the grace and the gifting of God. Yeah. Um, 
And I believe that if we can figure out that balance, mm. we can minister humi- with humility, but we can also minister with, with confidence. And we see that in Paul. I mean, he, he says here and other places, like you mentioned, where I'm, I'm the least. Mm. I'm the least of the least, the least, what, leastest? The leaster. <laughs> the leaster <laughs> of all God's people. But uh, in other places, he comes out very, very confidently and very strongly. Um, he says things like, I am an apostle. I'm God's messenger. I'm responsible to no mere man. This is 1 Corinthians 9. He says, I'm the one who has actually seen Jesus with my own eyes. Mm. So, hey, this is something. I mean, this is huge. This is, this is a big deal. But my confidence is not in my ability, my, my pedigree, my background. My confidence is in this grace. Although I'm the least, mm-hmm. this grace was given to me. Mm-hmm. And it's this grace that allows me to say, I'm an apostle. It's this grace that allows me to say, I um, am who I am because of what God has worked in my life. And uh, maybe I can read this other one in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, but whatever I am now is all because God poured out such kindness and grace upon me and not without results. For I've worked harder than all the other apostles, yet actually I wasn't doing it, but God Mm. working in me. And that is the source of confidence, mm. but it's also the reason f- to be humble, mm. to hold God's grace as a gift. Yes. And I then recognize the empowering of that grace. Right. And I, I like that um, where you, you bring out that he was confident in what he was doing. Humility doesn't mean that we walk around saying, oh, you know, I'm a worm. Not at all. Mm. We're confident in the gift that God has given, uh, recognizing that it's a gift. It's not of ourselves. It it came freely given to us. And uh, confident in that calling that God is working in us and through us. But, you know, I think it's very hard. It's easy to say these things. Mm. But it's hard to live them out you know john calvin said that the human heart is a perpetual idol factory and i think he's right we make idols out of all kinds of things and uh, we can even make an idol out of our calling out of the work that we do Um, we make idol idols of ourselves because look what god has called me to do or i need to make my ministry bigger uh, uh, we're living in a world of platforms and branding, which are such big buzzwords, you know. Uh, you got to brand yourself. You've got to have a platform. You've got to all these gotus that we've got to do. And I read something that um, Tish Harrison Warren wrote. I love her work. Uh, she said, to reduce ourselves to brands is to do violence to our personhood. We turn ourselves into products, into content to be evaluated, instead of people to be truly known and loved. And that really spoke to my heart, is that when we make idols of ourselves, or we make idols of our ministry, or we make idols of the work that we do, or our church, or whatever, and we, we want to have this big platform, and we want to be branded and recognized, it's, it's a human trait. 
you know, we're constantly making idols. It's like this idol factory, as John Calvin said. And the hard, hard work is to go, it's not me. It's the grace of God. It's the gift of God in me mm. that has called me to this work. Mm. Um, and recognizing that how, whatever that gift is, whatever that grace is, it is uh, simultaneously huge and very small. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you talked about the idol factory, it takes me back to the Old Testament when it was often when people had to wait and they were impatient, they turned to idols. Mm. In, in effect, to try to make something happen or to produce something, and often out of fear. And I know for me, my heart creates idols when I want something to happen sooner than it can. And so I'm, I'm going to replace the provision of God with my effort mm. or my strength or working too hard or too long to try to make something happen and allowing my own effort, not so much in an egotistical way, but just in a, I'm depending on that instead mm -hmm. of depending on God. And often it's frustrating because God's call often arrives before the capacity to get it done. And so there's this waiting time of, okay, God, I know you want me to do this, or I feel called to accomplish this, or you want this to get done. And yet the provisions haven't arrived. The capacity hasn't arrived. And so in that waiting time is mm. a prime time when idols pop up and, mm. okay, I'm going to depend on this, because I'm not willing to wait until the right timing has come. Mm. One of the things that uh, I do in my spare time is I um, uh, propagate plants. So I, I look for all little um, cuttings of plants and then I put them in water and then watch for them to grow roots and some do and some don't. And, and uh, every morning I get up and I look at my little stem of whatever plant and oh did roots grow no 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 but no amount of effort or worrying or uh, although i don't worry about my plants a whole lot but <laughs> no amount of striving uh can make that root grow mm. and sometimes just a waiting period and so humility isn't always look at me but sometimes it's god i'm I'm not willing to wait on your timing, and so I'm going to do, yeah. do it in my own strength, or I'm going to focus in on what I can do mm. rather than what, what God wants to do when he wants to do it. Yeah. A lot of that comes, you spoke about the idols of, of um, marketing and uh, uh, branding and, and platform. One of the other idols that really drives the world is results. Mm. We, 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 we are a result-focused race you know you want to see roots you want to see something happen and i think that's true for ministry 
And I'm not saying we shouldn't, we shouldn't uh, achieve results. Uh, the Bible speaks about being fruitful and, mm. and, and knowing people mm. by their fruit. So there should be fruit and there should result, be results. But so often that result becomes such an obsession with us that it ends up being an idol. And we serve the results rather than serving the people. Right. And, you know, the, the scripture says uh, that we, we shouldn't do anything from selfish ambition or, or, or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than ourselves. It says that we should look out for the interests of others rather than um, the interests of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And humility for me is not how much can I achieve or what results can I accomplish, but who can I serve? And whether that's in our ministry role, whether it's in our supporting role, in our families, uh, in our giving, uh, we always want to see, well, show me the results. Mm. How, do, how do we tabulate mm. what this effort achieved? Yeah. How about who did we serve and how did we serve them? Mm. And sometimes that's a little harder to quantify. Right. And, you know, we live in a difficult world because the world does require from us results. And so um, in our jobs or in our ministry, we have certain outcomes that's Mm. expected from us. Uh, In our ministry, when uh, we have partners who give, they want to know that their giving is going to produce something. Mm. And uh, we put together an annual report every year and Mm -hmm. uh, we make it look good and uh, we write down all the statistics and the outcomes. But one of the things that for us is really important is in writing down the the statistics and giving the feedback and saying this is what we accomplished, we also say that these numbers represent people. Mm. And at some point, the giver and the worker and the recipient's lives all intertwined and this number represents that. It re- represents a moment in time when God was at work through all of us to accomplish his will in the life of somebody else. Mm. And mm. in our reporting and in our uh, accumulating of outcomes, I think it's really important that we remember the personhood of the people we serve, that we remember our own personhood that we remember the personhood of the colleagues with us and we don't reduce ourselves to machines, machinery that produces Mm. outcomes. We're not robots, we're people. And God is at work in us and through us and uh, to accomplish his goodwill. And in that we are being formed. I love, love, love your story so much, Mike, because you mentioned that, that word, that that pastor, Pastor Ed, sitting next to you and seeing your personhood formed you mm. was part of your spiritual formation. Mm. And that in turn, we could take that to others who needed their personhood recognized, mm. not just their ministry, but their personhood. And in the end, it's about people. God is mm. about people. Mm. It's not about outcomes. Mm. And... Um, we make idols out of outcomes. Mm-hmm. We make idols out of all kinds of crazy things when it, it really is about our personhood and it's about uh, truly knowing other people and allowing them to truly know us. Mm. 
Yeah, I love that. I, I love the, the focusing on the person, what's what's behind the metric, what's behind the number. And what I'm hearing is it, it comes down to what are you focusing on? It might even look from the outside like the same thing. You know, if you're watching someone's working really hard and you know what what's going on inside of them as they work really hard and God's calling us and I see this in Paul calling us to focus on well here he says the unfathomable riches the unfathomable riches mm. that he had the opportunity to bring this message the unfathomable mm. riches of Christ he, on the one hand he says uh, I'm, I'm less than the least and the other he talks about this huge infinite riches mm of God and what do, which one are you you focusing in on and are you focusing in on your lack of capacity or the capacity of God and it makes me think of going to um, the great Sequoia National Forest up in California and I don't know if uh, you, you've seen it before um, but when you go to these massive trees that some of the largest trees in the world, some of the oldest trees in the world, and you stand underneath the, each tree had a name, which was interesting too. You go there, General Sherman was, <laughs> I think, one of the biggest trees, and you stand beneath it, and it's 300 feet tall and 100 feet in circumference around. And, and when you stand before that and you see how small you are, uh, you, you don't in that moment think, I'm worthless. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's not a condemnation moment or a, uh, I, I just, I'm so insignificant. It's, uh, oh my goodness, how great this tree is, how great this created wonder is. Mm. And, and I think in the same way, when we focus in on, in this case, as Paul was saying, the unfathomable riches of Christ, uh, that becomes our our focus, and so he's calling us not to, in our weakness, have a feeling of condemnation or a lack of value, but it's a focus on c contemplation on who, mm. who is God and what capacity does He have, and how do I get in step with what what He's doing, and right. and the way that it works is I have to let Him take the lead because I'm, I'm weak. Um, but Christ is powerful and strong. And so it's, it's what you focus in on. It's, mm. it's how you're perceiving God at work in you and, and your own lack of capacity in some regards and your weakness. Right. And you know, God works in, uh, ways that we don't work. Uh, I think we've all seen that. I look at the scripture and I see that uh, Paul knew that he was graced uh, to do this job. And his job was to preach Christ to the Gentiles. And I stop and I think, why to the Gentiles? I mean, he was like the Jew of all Jewish people. He, was, mm. he has this whole uh, list of credentials. And yet God called him to the Gentiles to preach Christ to the Gentiles. And then I look around, uh, I look at my life, and I see God has called me to 
I work amongst people that are not my own people, just like Paul. And there is a certain amount of humility that comes with just that because you don't fully intuitively understand, but you've got to learn and you've got to rely on God and mm. you've got to understand uh, that you don't know everything. And, you know, I think of a particular story uh one of the villages that we started working in uh, was a very remote village. And I went out to the feeding project. There was a new feeding project there, and you had to drive along a dusty road to get there. And I got out of the vehicle and saw this. If my memory serves me correctly, it was so many years ago. This young girl, probably about, I don't know, she, she wasn't a teenager yet, so I'm, I'm pegging her at about 10. And she was carrying a little boy on her hip and coming towards the feeding project uh, where all the pots and the cooking was happening. And uh, the little boy made eye contact with me. And he started clinging onto who I assume was his sister, uh, clinging onto her and his little legs wrapped around her waist and he looked away and he was clearly very distressed. Uh, so I started walking toward them thinking, well, something is wrong. And the closer I got, the more this little boy <laughs> screamed and he was really anxious and, mm. uh, you know, one of our workers came to me and asked me to please step back and wait in the vehicle. And, well, you can imagine, I was like, what the <laughs> heck? You know, I'm here to observe the feeding project and I'm being told to go sit in the car. <laughs> it, it was a lesson of inhumility for sure. Um, but nonetheless, I did that and the little girl and her brother came to the feeding project and they were given bowls of food and they sat down. And so I climbed out of the vehicle and kind of went closer toward them. I was thinking, you know, I'm here to serve and I want to find out what the problem is. <laughs> and I had a biblical stoning, you know, how people get stoned. <laughs> this little boy picked up some rocks and he <laughs> threw them at me. <laughs> I was like hitting my hips. He was just a tiny little thing. And I was like, I don't understand what's going on here. Anyway, making a long story short, turns out he had never seen a white woman before. So here I am in a remote village. This little boy of, I don't know, two years old, sees a white person for the first time. And then, hey, I would be terrified too, mm. you know. So he, he was afraid of me. That was the, 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 the initial and then of course I get out the vehicle and now I'm working, walking mm. towards him <laughs> he probably thought I was coming to do some terrible harm to him the story here is about humility about recognizing the gifts in others because the people working at the feeding project they were doing exactly what I wanted to do. They were serving these people well and good. They didn't need me there. I had to recognize that, that sometimes we don't serve our need to serve. Mm -hmm. we, we serve, we minister, we see the personhood mm. of that individual and we minister to that. I was not needed in that moment. But there have been other times where 
because I'm a white person living in apartheid South Africa, it was needed. Uh, certain leadership, certain doors were open to me, certain uh, capacities were available to me that were not available to black people in our country. Mm. And God needed me in that moment to work in a place with people that are different to me. And it is an exercise in humility mm. and recognizing God at work in certain moments. Mm. Um, and maybe we see that on mission trips. People say, well, why do I need to go on a mission trip to a foreign country, to people I don't understand? I think there's a, a, a process of um, relying on God that happens. You know, when I'm with my people, with my family, with people like me, I think I know exactly what they need. But when I'm with different people, I have to step back and rely on God, truly, to help me understand the needs. And um, I don't know how many of you have seen that happen on mission trips where you watch the team, a bunch of strangers put together in, you know, for a week or two weeks to minister in a foreign country. And you stand back and you see God at work mm -hmm through each person's gift, mm. through each the grace that God has given to different personalities, to different types of people, and how the, the hosting country receives that gift with mm. such grace and such joy um, that you can't help but see God at work. Mm. And this idea of um, not thinking less of ourselves, as C.S. Lewis says, but just thinking of ourselves less. Mm. Mm. and allowing others mm. to step forward. The process of that is that there's a sense of absolute humility in the fact that God has chosen to grace us. And then there's a sense of some confidence in that because he's graced us, we have the ability to do this incredible work Mm. Uh, for Paul preaching the boundless riches of Christ. Mm. But in all of that, I, I, I do believe it's important that no matter what capacity we're involved in and no matter what kind of ministry we're doing, to stay focused on what it is that God actually wants us to do. Yeah. I mean, Paul says here that his mission, his purpose uh, is to preach to the Gentiles, the boundless riches of Christ. And you read that throughout mm. his writings. That was his focus. People other, not like him, but he never, never deviated from that. Although he had a lot of opportunity to. I mean, he was stoned and beaten and shipwrecked and all of those things that we know. Yet he stayed focused because he knew what it was that he was called to. And for us, I think we, we should tie together the, the aspect of humility, and confidence with knowledge. God, what is it? Because when we do that, I believe it helps us to have ministry that is meaningful and lasting, which comes from knowing what God has called us to. Hmm. And then staying true to that, even though circumstances and conditions might change and might be very adverse. And then uh, to always measure, if we know what it is that God has called us to, to always measure what we do against what has God called us to? Mm. Not what seems trendy or attractive or just fun at the time. Mm. And then lastly, 
when we know what it is we're called to, then we also know when and what and who we say yes to. Very good. And who we say mm-hmm. no to. Mm. That's so freeing. Knowing what we're called to. Mm. Yes. And knowing the one who calls us. Yep. And that gives us freedom. That's a good word. That's a good conversation. And we, wherever you're at today listening to this, um, know what you're called to do and know who calls you. Yes. And uh, we're excited for all that's, all that's ahead. We're going to continue this conversation uh, in Ephesians 3 and talk about mission and ministry over the next few months. And so grateful to have you on this conversation around the table with us. Thanks for listening today. Thanks. It was wonderful visiting with you. Bye-bye.